Riker to Captain Picard. Go ahead, number one. May I see you in the observation lounge, sir? I'll be right there. This seems to be some kind of meeting place. Some kind of meeting. Some 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 kind of meeting place. Could you want it? Might be good. I don't think they're going to let us in, Artu. We'd better go. Maybe we better talk out here. The observation line has turned into a swamp. Artu, wait! Oh dear. Artu! Artu, I really don't think we should rush into this. This is the Observation Lounge for the week of December 15th, 2012. Wizards and dwarves and hobbits and orcs and goblins, oh my. I'm Greg Harbin. With me today is the Observation Lounge news editor, Catherine Bryan. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, Greg. Nice to be here again. And with us from PopCap Games is first-time Observation Lounger, Joey Trimmer. Welcome, Joey. Hello. Thank you for having me. And a frequent Observationer, frequent Ready Roomer, and host of Literary Treks here at Trek FM, we have Matthew Rushing. Welcome to you, Matthew. Thank you, Greg. How are you doing? I'm doing actually rather well. I just got back from my third screening of The Hobbit. We're recording this on Sunday, so it's been out three days, so I've seen it three times. That makes sense, right? That's Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what we're here today to talk about. Like, Typically, the Observation Lounge is like a news rundown every week of what's going on in the geek world, but I think it's good to do this sort of show. We did for Skyfall a few weeks back. We'll do it again for The Hobbit. We'll do probably do it again for big nerd films, which I would say The Hobbit is a really big nerd film, like the first... I mean, it's the first Lord of the Rings film we've gotten in, what, nine years? Definitely worth celebration. Yes, definitely. Now, everyone here has actually, you have seen The Hobbit, right? That's. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, just once, unfortunately. Just once. I'll correct that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I guess first thing I want to just get is everybody's first impressions, like, on the film. Like, what did you, just, just overall, uh, Catherine? Um, I, was, I was really overwhelmed by nostalgia and warm, fuzzy feelings. Like the second, the second it opened, I was like, yes, because it's, it, it definitely was everything I expected it to be and even better. Nice. Nice. Uh, Joey. Uh, yeah, I agree. I was, I was, uh, I wasn't quite sure at first. I, I, I didn't know how Martin Freeman would hold up. I was probably the only person in the world that felt that way, but, uh, uh, you know, and it also the Hobbit being a children's tale was a little scary going in when we have the tone set by by the first trilogy so uh all of that made it a little nail-biting at first but um in about 10 minutes through the through the movie i got it i keep in mind i watched it at 48 frames per second and 3d yeah so that was jarring at first but um but within 10 minutes i was in it for the whole ride and and it was literally a roller coaster at times yeah that's definitely true but overall you're positive positive on the film it sounds like absolutely it's it's one of my favorite books and uh and it's it's just great to see what i envisioned when i read that from seven years old and every year pretty much since then uh come to life on the screen but yeah i i would say i was probably the same way out joey i was coming into it i think you know the trailers i do not think were good trailers for this film uh they're yeah i agree they they like they made it feel like it was just going to be non-stop references to the other films it looked like it was just rehashing everything we'd done before it looked slow or it looked overly goofy <clears throat> at times yeah very very silly uh they really played up just the the pratfall sort of thing with the dwarves so i wasn't sure what i was getting into but uh yeah, I, I was. Yeah, ab- I don't know. I was absolutely. I was actually prepared to really dislike this one, which is crazy because I really loved the, f- the first three Lord of the Rings films, but I thought maybe Peter Jackson had, had made a major misstep here. Well, the first trailer oh. that I saw was the one that was just the dwarves singing over yeah. uh, action sequences, and that was really all I wanted from The Hobbit. 
And then I saw like more of the Martin Freeman based sort of silly trailers and I was concerned. Yeah. Well, I did. I went back and watched the first two trailers. I think there's only been two like actual trailers. Those the one we got literally a year ago. I don't know if you guys realize, but oh, it was God. December of 2011 where we got that dwarf wow. singing trailer. Um, Is that right? Wow. Yeah. I don't know what it was on. Um, I know I saw it on uh, The Phantom Menace. Uh, they did uh, the, the 3D re-release in February, and I saw it on that. But apparently oh, wow. it came out in December. It's fun now to go go watch that trailer again. There's stuff in it that's not in this one. Really? There's stuff huh. like they did with that first Lord of the Rings trailer where they showed stuff from all three films. There's a little right. bit. There's actually um, Gandalf versus, I'm assuming, the Necromancer in that trailer for just like just a moment. Oh, no. Um, it no shows way. him going to, um, what is it called? Not Dumbledore. Dumb, 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 Dumbledore. Dumbledore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm not... <laughs> I'm not the Lord of the Rings nerd, but anyway, it shows all that cool stuff. But okay, so Catherine, were you expecting? I mean, you you're a big Lord of the Rings like person. You're showing us your collection. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, what what was I expecting? Is that what you asked? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I was expecting to be really, really horrified because when I found out it was two movies, I was worried. Mm-hmm. And then I found out it was three movies, <laughs> and I was deeply worried because it's so. The book is a lot of description, and you get that in a film. It's not a very long book story-wise, so I didn't know where he was going to start pulling stories from. But I'm, in, but, I'm. Well, the the it's funny because that's such a common uh, um, conclusion that people have come to, and I, I admit my my instinct was, oh my god. Three movies is way too much. Two movies, maybe. But the more I thought about it, I realized it's... And, and I think it's because of the children's book uh, uh, style that The Hobbit is written in. It's action, 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 action. Because it's all these scenes along this this path to you know this great adventure. And there really isn't a lot of breathing room if that was going to be one movie, let alone two. So... Uh, I was definitely concerned, but uh, that's all gone now. Well, yeah, I I was, yeah, I'm definitely not worried about being three movies. Now that I'm seeing how they're weaving stuff in, we were getting like different stuff. Like back when it was Guillermo del Toro who was going to be directing it, it was going to be two films and it almost felt like he was going to do The Hobbit. And then he was going to do a a brand new Hobbit sequel that like was between The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And, yeah, it's true. And that was an interesting idea that I was kind of worried about because it was going to be a whole film full of new stuff. When it became, when it became, let's just keep expanding it. I was a little bit worried, Catherine. You you would know this better than I do. How much of the actual book did we cover by the end of an unexpected journey? Not much, actually, because <laughs> we made it just past the riddles in the dark chapter, which is not even halfway through the book. Okay. And a, a lot of what we did get was a lot of, um, we got the Radagast sort of subplot, which took up time, and we got a lot of the White Council and Rivendell, which is mm-hmm. not included in the, in the first half of the book. So we do have also, a lot. Also, uh, Frodo in the beginning. And yes, yes. In McCown as well, yeah. Yeah, they kind well, of get all the way to um, out of the frying pan and into the fire. You know, um, where they get, you know, obviously rescued by the eagles. And yeah, that's. Oh, is that a line? Is that a line from, from the book? That's actually title? the title of the book. Of the chapter. So they, they use oh, that's awesome. that, the title of the chapter. Yeah. So they use that in there. I felt like, I You're felt right. like it was one of those things like a shortcut to mushrooms where yeah. they, yes. they, they got a thing <laughs> in. Uh, but I didn't. It's been so long since I read The Hobbit that I'm, I'm glad I have book people here. I've, I've seen the movie three times, so I know the movie really well. But. But that that's cool that out of the frying pan. But the whole subplot with the pale orc, like that's not really in the book, if I'm remembering correctly. It's not. The I was rereading that chapter and the, the orcs that are following them are the yeah, the the goblins that are following them, you know, there's no like main leader. So it, it 
Catherine, do you know if he pulled that from, um, you know, the Cimmerillion or... Um... He pulled it from the appendices. Okay. Because, uh, of Return because, of the King, right? Yes, because the Pale Orc is a character that does um, fight in that battle that Gandalf describes. and Okay. Unfor- unfortunately, in that battle, he does, in fact, die. Gotcha. <laughs> so... All right. And Thorin also never encountered him, but now he has so that's a new plot for us to <laughs> right <enjoy>. right so, <laughs> so aside from from whether or not it's like from the books though like i feel like the movie has this good structure it's like the first third is leading up to the journey and then the second third is let's they're like they're on the journey they go to rivendell they meet the trolls they fight the orcs then the third third is just this the goblin stuff and riddles in the dark and it's like it feels like a really good film structure um whereas i thought it might feel like the beginning of a novel like we're just like meeting the characters and then we're done but i i feel like we got a whole movie here maybe because they had the orc subplot that they put into it it feels a lot like um the fellowship of the ring i mean they create that character to be chasing them um mm-hmm. that orc character that's not in the book but i mean he's creepy as all get out um and so yeah. he kind of gives you that evil that's chasing them the whole time which really helps um kind of put a face to the evil instead of it just being a bunch of faceless orcs chasing them and so this movie feels a lot like that same structure of fellowship i mean the exact same things really happen almost um you know they get they start an adventure you meet everybody they go to Rivendell, and then, you know, they almost get killed by a bunch of orcs, but they escape. That's true. Yeah, the that first was time my I... favorite. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, that was my favorite part of the movie, is when Thorin says, I, I feel the, the worst is behind us. Yeah. And everyone in the theater right. just laughs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, not so much. They did that just at wait till you get to Mark in the movie. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I guess the first time I saw it, I did feel like it was just kind of rehashed fellowship. Like we got with episode one, it was kind of rehashed Star Wars, what with the ending. But then when you go back and watch it again, you're like, well, no, it's like quite different. Um, I would say the main difference for me is the Bagginses were just such different characters. Bilbo is nothing like Frodo, which yeah. is which is awesome. I, I tweeted afterwards that Martin Freeman is the best thing to happen to Lord of the Rings since Ian McKellen, which then people jumped on me. It's like, well, but what about Andy Serkis? Like, okay, all right. Well, there's Andy (laughs) Serkis and that was, but watching this film, I was just riveted by everything Freeman was doing from beginning to end. Yeah. The, the very beginning where he, he says almost nothing and just bumbles. Yeah. That's when I was sold. Like he didn't say a thing. He just, just puffed his pipe and, (laughs) Had no idea. He didn't want to go on any adventure at all. He just wanted to be Bilbo in a hole. And and uh, I loved the the growth of his character. I felt it was a little more genuine. Where at first he he didn't want to be there, but he felt like this was his only chance to ever do anything of importance. Yeah. And along the way, he sort of screws up, but not so bad. And uh, it's very slowly, um, very slowly, do you see his character grow? But but. It's you needed that in this one to set it up for the next one. So, well, and it shows. I mean, I was watching through the film. I was like, man, Tolkien really does a good job of setting up, um, even in the book of you know they get this character. He's not a thief at all, but slowly throughout the film, he becomes the thief who will be able to take on Smog, Smog at the Smog. end. Smog, yes. and so. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's a really cool thing. You see his character grow into somebody who's more comfortable with this, like, adventure-type role, um, kind of becoming the Bilbo you see at the, you know, the beginning of Fellowship, where you're like, man, this guy's been on these adventures, and he really wants to go back on more adventures, and so, it's fun. And it's kind of a, a fault I have with the Lord of the Rings films, the way Jackson made them, that there isn't an awful lot of character growth. Uh, I, you guys may disagree with me, but I don't think Frodo changes much. His friendship with Sam deepens, and that's cool. Um, and I think Sam finds courage he didn't know he had. But Frodo's kind of just there for the for the duration. Whereas Bilbo in this one, yeah, he has such he has such an arc. I I actually don't know where they can go with him. 
like going forward. I, I hope they can, can continue with that. Um, but yeah, I was, and every time I'm with the audience, they're like, they're totally there for every moment of it. When um, the very end and they're on the, the, the tall rock, it's like, let's, yeah, put us on the very top of the toppiest top thing. So then we have to climb all the way back down. Thanks, <laughs> eagles. They're Jesus. really big eagles. They don't fit neatly. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. But when when um Thorin says, you know, what were you doing? You could have been killed. And everyone's like, oh, no, what? And they says, I was so wrong about you. And I was like, ah, yay. It's like even, you know, it's been three hours and we're still like emotionally invested. Um, and there wasn't that much of like, there wasn't that much of an arc to Fellowship. When I got to the end of Fellowship, it's like, okay, well, now I want to see the next film. It just... Fellowship kind of ended. This one felt like a full a full movie. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, yeah. and it Fellowship of the I mean, The Lord of the Rings is written really as one long book. They only split mm-hmm. it up because the publisher makes them do it because they were afraid nobody would read that huge of a book and just dumping it on. I mean, I don't know if anybody's read Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. It's oh God, a huge. I, I... I love I've that tried. book. I've started but, a few times. Yeah, it's a great book, but you give somebody that big of a book and that big of a world and just like try and dump them into it. You know, the publisher knew what they were doing. And so, you know, fellowship and is really more connected than the, you know, the Hobbit is one story, but he's able to kind of create a whole um, sub story to make you feel yeah. more complete by the end. And I think that may be something that Jackson's just learned from doing, mm-hmm. you know, the Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> yeah, Kath, Kath, so, yeah, Catherine, what did you think of of the actual structure of the film? Did you feel like it was as long as it was? It's like a, it's three hours, basically, when you go in the theater bef- and then you leave three hours later. Um, it definitely moved with a pace that I didn't feel like, like when I saw Avatar, and even though I was mostly interested, I was like, yes, but I don't care anymore by the time I was halfway through. But the, the Hobbit, the only time it started to lose me a little bit was after um, the Eagles dropped them off, after they've sort of resolved it and they just sort of kept going and it sort of <laughs> ended again. And then we sort of got the little tag where it ended again. That was the only time where I started to be like waiting for the ending to really finally hit. That I, I where I see that being is when they get out of they, they defeat the goblins and they get they get out of the mountain. I kind of feel like it's over at that point. I'm trying to remember back to Fellowship. Um, after they lose Gandalf is kind of the same way that the film kind of could end there. It's kind of a moment of of great jeopardy, but there's not really anything they can do about it. They're not, and then the the movie does keep going. There's still a final thing that happens in Fellowship. It's been a little while since I saw those, um, but that's the point at which I'm just like, well, okay, why don't we just stop now and then start the next film? Um, but Two, as I keep watching it over and over and over again, I, I feel that a little bit less. Um, and that last, that final battle is really great where they, they fight the, the orcs and the wargs. Um, it just keeps building and building and they climb the trees and the trees crash and it's like, it's a great ending. <laughs> Joey, did you feel like it was dragging at that point that you, and you wanted it just to be over at some point? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I'm probably we were all a little too close to the source material so we were probably all wondering where does this end do we keep going a little farther or but uh so i i really did not get pulled out of the story ever uh and in fact i i i would have been fine with it going a little farther but uh i i think where it ended was perfect it set us up for smog i'm just saying it it's smog <laughs> uh it set us up perfectly for him and you know it did it did the the correct thing don't show him you only show little bits and we're going to save this for the second film but um it was really it's really hard to juggle a, a cast of 14 plus people that are constantly together all the time and you still get this this story this this character growth and not just with Bilbo, but with dwarves as well. So, um, so this is a good this is a good time, Joey. Um, please name all of the dwarves um, in the order that they arrive at Bag End, please. Uh, so it starts with Dopey, <laughs> uh, Sneezy. <laughs> yeah, gosh, I I can never get them. I couldn't get them when I was reading the book. Yeah, either. really. Uh, 
but and 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 thankfully some of the dwarves well a, a good handful of them played in the background yes. throughout so yes. yeah it, it, although there were so many characters right. the focus was on a handful so right. that was it's i like, thought that was smart we get to know dwalin and balin and thorin and yeah. well not even dwalin a little bit less it's like balin and thorin mostly and then feely and killy a little bit and then dwalin somewhat and then who's the other one is it boffer with the weird hat <laughs> yeah, I think yes. so. And then there's right. the, oh, the really big, oh, large on. one with red hair. Did he say a thing? He doesn't do I'm, much. He's just comedic yeah. relief from time exactly. to time. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. nice to to see dwarves not be just the fall guys yes. too. Yeah, yeah. They were really strong characters, so it's it's good to to get that lore. And Jackson made that uh, a point, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there was the whole. Uh, <laughs> Disney Disney scene of washing dishes. I just was waiting for sparrows to come in and help them. But there were uh, there were little scenes where like a gonna, bird comes in yeah. and talks to someone, <laughs> whistle true. while they work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that was kind of. Can we can we talk about the scene that does kind of completely stop the film cold? And that's like that's like the key for deletion for extended edition is Radagast, and it's basically. It starts raining, and there's that fantastic line where they say to, to Gandalf, can't you stop the rain? He says, if you, you know, it is raining, and it will stop when the rain is done. And if you wanted to control the weather, you should have gotten another wizard. Like, that's, okay, that's great. But then they go into who are the other wizards. And then this whole weird thing with Radagast in Markwood, and there's, like, bird poop on his face, and there's a hedgehog named Sebastian, and there's giant spiders. And then, yeah. See, that's not the part that loses me. Like, that part I found, no, I found really interesting because I I knew what was going to, uh, they're building on that for the second film. And so I I didn't really have a problem with that part. What drew me out of the film was just a couple of times was um, the big rock people. Um, oh, you know, uh, that's that's that really stone giants. You know, not not that that's not in the book, which. You know, uh, it is, but it works better on paper because um, it's like a is one. Not... It's a one line thing. I, I was reading right. it this, tonight, and so hmm. you know they turned it into like a ten minute deal, and it was like, okay, this is too much. Um, you you could really cut that out, and and nobody would know the difference. Um, and and I I mean it's fine. It's just really hard to do on screen. And then the other time was when they were, you know, falling in the pit from the the orc king and they're all falling on this like sled that they've created and i was like okay this is getting a little bit yeah. ridiculous um and that <laughs> pulled me out of the film too actually because it was like this is too much disney this is too yeah. much fairy tale um and that those were the two parts that really pulled me out and i was like wow well, that this, was you know yeah that was a moment where because they showed in the trailers them all crashed at the bottom and then the goblin king falling I yes. was waiting the whole goblin sequence exactly. for that to happen. Um, it's sort of like in the Avengers when the Hulk catches Iron Man. I was waiting that whole New York scene for the Hulk to catch Iron Man. So when he right. flew into space, I wasn't worried at all because <laughs> I know the Hulk is going to catch him. Uh, so on a second viewing, that didn't bother me as much. Um, actually, most of these things didn't bother me as much. The stone giant thing still does. It's like, why is this here? Other than the fact that in 3D, it looks really awesome. Yeah, it does. I mean, it looks incredible. It just, it's like a very long scene for a honestly one sentence yeah. thing in the book. So yeah, and and they're like, isn't it from a distance too? Like they're on the yeah. mountain. They're like, oh hey, yep. look, way over there are some giants. Yep. Oh, they're and not they're, like riding yeah. on the knees. No, no. and no. and the oh. fact that. The giants are just throwing stones at each other, but also just crashing trees below them, having a good time. They're not fighting each other. So, yeah, they obviously ratcheted up that for you know right. cinematic purposes. Especially since it's a movie that doesn't really need any additional action sequences. Exactly. At all. Uh, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, it's chock full of it. But uh, well, that I don't know. That didn't pull me out though, because it was freaking awesome seeing stone giants. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I also did not mind Radagast. I I, hmm. I I appreciated it for its its kookiness. I guess it was. He's a weirdo. He's a <laughs> he's a weird wizard. But 
I don't know. I, he's he's you can tell he's one of the good guys, and 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 Gandalf the Grey is he's not as weird, but you know he's got his quirks too, and uh, I, I enjoy seeing a little bit more of that. That's uh, right. I liked. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say Radagast is one of um, Saruman's servants. He's not really a good guy, so I'm again confused as to where they're gonna take him in the rest of the films. Or really, like he gets he gets drawn over to the dark side. Not even he. Saruman was just like, I need I need a servant for all of my stuff that I'm doing, and Radagast was like, oh, I'll come along. Wow. And he just sort of, they had a little dynamic duo until he finds out Gandalf is captured on top of Orthanc. He's the mm-hmm. one that sends the eagle to save him. Oh, oh yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah I knew it's... that Radagast got cut out of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, I just I was never clear on exactly what he did. The the films. Oh okay. Right, I know he's in the he's in the book somewhere doing something. Yeah, because the where they're setting up him up now almost is to show you the seeds of Saruman turning evil. You know, the fact mm-hmm. that he is negating anything, um, you know, uh, earthy or of the earth. You know, he's already kind of turning towards the machinations of the wheels and the 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 um, the weapons, uh, and and not counting him at all. And I thought that was really interesting setup for the the movie. Um, right. Not necessarily what you know the book itself, and so did did you guys not find Saruman a little bit too evil in this one? Like Saruman hasn't really come back. Saruman hasn't started tempting him, but he's already like Gandalf's not happy to see him at all, and he's saying, "Well, don't worry about all these things that are that you're saying. It's really not going to be anything." Like <sighs> I'll give you that one. I think that's a that's it's not a bad point, I, but I think the the on the other side of it is we already know who he yeah. becomes. Yeah. And so it's nice to see a little seed there. It, it may have been a little too much, but uh, um, I I actually, uh, I love that scene oh, yeah. because of uh, <laughs> just just the, the, the conversation, the side conversation that happened in Gandalf's little little wink to the camera without a wink. Yeah, yes, <laughs> exactly. There are a lot of winks to the camera in this one. Frodo yeah. winks at the camera. Galadriel winks at the camera. Uh, and as you yeah. said, Gandalf does. I'm sure a bunch of people do. I, well, I did as well. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, let's see. I We can continue to talk about the story a little bit. I want to also touch on the effects a bit. Um, so it has been 10 years since the first Lord of the Rings film. And obviously effects have come, come a long way. The I guess the main change is that like everyone has computer generated makeup on. Yeah, uh, right. from I mean especially the dwarves and the orcs. Uh, most of the orcs I think were completely just computer computer men. Uh, but the dwarves I, I I I do need to look for some set pictures. But like their faces don't really they didn't really look like that right. They were doing weird stuff like make the nose different shaped and yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Thorin is is uh, the the actor is six foot three. Well, yeah. So they did some amazing <laughs> work in this, and 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 you see so many shots where there's all of them together. You have a Hobbit, thir- uh, uh, is it? It's thirteen dwarves, and then a wizard, mm-hmm. and on horses and ponies all at the same time. And you're just like, what? How in the world yeah. are they doing this? And for the most part, it's it, to me, it seems pretty seamless. Because um, that's the thing with Lord of the Rings, you can always see the seams. Maybe not on a first viewing, but especially once you know the tricks, it's like, okay, well, right. that table is forced perspective, or exactly. well, that's the that's the body double. This one, I never felt like I was looking at a body double. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, there's a scene in the very beginning where Bilbo uh, Martin Freeman is talking to uh, uh, Gandalf, and uh, and I'm like, uh, force per- perspective. And then he puts his arm around him. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Don't know how they did that. Gandalf looked like a giant throughout the whole film. Yeah, it was incredible. They oh, did absolutely. such a good. And did they build two bag ends again? I felt like they didn't. That they I think it was the same. Yeah, I'm not sure though. Because uh, I know in the in the first one they shot two. They had two identical. But well, they had a a <laughs> a hobbit sized bag end and a human sized bag end. And then they combined the shots in post. Here, I thought what I heard was they only shot with one Hobbit and dwarf size bag end, and then shot Gandalf on green screen. Um, I, that mm. I'm not exactly clear on, but it always worked. Like, it, and it, you do say that he's like a, he's a giant in there, 
it's great and especially the dwarves even are different sizes so yeah, they're even having true. to make them because right. thorin's clearly much bigger than the rest of the dwarves yeah yeah it was it looked really good i mean the, you can tell it's come a long way um and they haven't had to it doesn't feel like they've had to do as much kind of jerry-rigging to make everybody fit in the scene i mean it does help too that dwarves aren't terribly much taller than a hobbit so that mm-hmm. does help in the in the perspective of the film and you know gandalf's really the only human we're around most of the time so that that gives you that um it makes it a little bit easier for him let, let, um, let's let's be clear before we get letters gandalf is not a human um he is <laughs> he's a, a wizard he is a maya yeah. yeah um from the undying lands yes yeah, my bad so <laughs> that was actually uh, an interesting an note angel of sorts he's just man-sized excuse me right there aren't that many <laughs> human humans <laughs> in this film there's like there's dale at the very beginning that gets smogged um and i'm trying to think is are there any others there's elrond who is technically half man um but other than that it's pretty much all elves and wizards and dwarves and hobbits and goblins and orcs oh my yeah That's we true. won't really get a lot of men until we get to lake town and so uh, most of this film is is the in the book is it doesn't have a lot to do with the world of men yeah and i, I like that because it feels kind of more fantasy than yes. lord of the rings did sometimes it's oh. it's much more fairy tale yeah yeah you, it, well it's not the fate of the world it's just it's just restoring the the you know the legacy of these dwarves and it's yeah. just an adventure yeah. yeah that was cool for me uh Catherine, did the effects work for you is there anything that really impressed you or, or really stood out as bad <laughs> it really stood out as bad. No, there was nothing that made me look at it and wonder why did they do that? What made mm-hmm. them think that was a good plan? There was a little bit with the the pale uh, the pale orc that I wasn't really digging because I'm yeah. not yeah. I'm not a huge fan of full CGI creatures anyways. And there were just some shots of him that were I think a little bit kind of gaudy and un- unnecessary than being like, look what we've done. Haven't we come yeah. so far? But as far as um, the force, per- not the force perspective, but all of the perspective shots with the cast, I think were done way better than I thought yeah. that they were going to be. I think and the other thing the- is that they were in 3D, too, mm-hmm. which I kept thinking like, okay, they had to shoot this model and then they had to shoot people on set and then they had to combine them with proper 3D perspective. I, it was it blowing was my converted. mind every time I started to think about it. It was converted 3D. They didn't actually shoot any of it in 3D. Really? Yeah. They huh. had custom red cameras that were that were specifically shot for 3D. That's what... maybe maybe you're right. Maybe not entirely, but um, the maybe especially those highly CG yeah. uh, sets weren't. But right. And actually, they didn't use any of the miniatures in this film. They didn't use any. Um, Really? Like for the for the first trilogy, all of the like Minas Tirith, all of the cities, all of the shots like that were done with what they like call the bigatures, but the bigatures, yeah, ex- extremely huge miniatures. But they didn't use any of those. Really? In this, yeah, I've been all CGI. Yeah, you I've been not tell, paying attention to yeah, the you, to the behind the scenes stuff for this one. You can tell though when they go to Rivendell that they've they've completely expanded what that was, what you saw in in mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings, because. Yeah. And you know, this is a little bit more in the Elvish heyday, and so um, Rivendell looks uh, much bigger and more beautiful than it does in in the, you know the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, I yeah. felt like the effects really shine when you get to Gollum, and you can mm-hmm. tell that um, he looks incredible. You know, even you know a hundred times better than he did in uh, Return of the King. Um, there's nothing about him that doesn't look real anymore. Um, it reminded me a lot of the work that they did on the house elves in the last two Harry Potter films where mm. they looked completely yeah. real. They, it never looked fake. So It's yeah. true. The The motion capture technology has increased so much. And I saw a, a, a photo of Andy Serkis on set and they there were so many different muscle groups that they were getting just in the face that we really got Andy Serkis the whole time. And I'm really hoping that he gets nominated. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, he needs yeah. to get nominated for something. A, a friend of mine just sat and cried during the whole Riggles Aww. in the Dark just because she feels so much. She calls him Smeagol, and uh-huh. she just has so much feeling, <laughs> and you can't not feel for Gollum in this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And, it was a great performance. Yeah. And he's right up there in camera. And it's it's 3D. It's 48 frames per second. And his his face fills the entire screen. And it's, yeah, you you can't tell that it's fake. You don't even think about it being fake. Um, well, his performance. One, I was going to say his performance definitely comes across as a performance and not as a gimmick or as a mm-hmm. CGI character. Which might be Absolutely. why. Which might be why the pale orc kind of fell flat at times. Yeah. Well, I, I felt like the the pale orcs just in general. It wasn't even the 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 performance of it. It was just the the CG was just not there. I yeah. Don't, I don't understand how that right. happened. Which was so weird because the the warg he's riding is incredible. Mm. Oh, I mean yes. that the hairs, that the, exactly. Yeah. They, it's like they spent all their time on those wargs and then they didn't on the orcs. And I was like. You know, that dude writing him doesn't look as real as what he's writing, which usually doesn't happen in, in CGI. It's true. it's true. Right. The wargs do look amazing in this one, which is good because in Lord of the Rings, they look really bad. They're Ooh, hard. The design. Jackson the idea. Design special editions. Well, I'm already waiting for the special edition where we put Riddles in the Dark flashbacks in. Um, and we changed the wargs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> He's already going to go back. He's already going back and putting a new um, golem into fellowship, isn't he? That's a thing they've said is going to happen. Did mm. you dream this? I no, hope no, 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 no. I did not hear that. Uh, I don't, don't, don't take my word for it. Uh, go ahead and Google it. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's out there that they're, um, they're going to be putting a special edition out after The Hobbit that's, that's got some changes in it to make it more... But yeah, don't take my word for it because I may have dreamed this. I, I do have very vivid dreams sometimes. Uh, one thing I did want to say is I think we can say the red epic is the best camera ever made. I think that just far none. Um, the yeah. scene, the shots where it was slow motion and 48 frames per second looked incredible. So, so amazing. Good. The yeah. what I'm thinking of is the. Um, the flashback with Balin telling us the story of the battle, um, was it the battle for Moria? It's just, it's all slow motion. It's all this silky smooth amazingness. And there's so many things going on on screen and you can look what, look at whatever you want and it's crystal clear and it's beautiful. How did that scene hold up in the 28 frame perspective? Uh, 28 Not- frame. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. So I've seen it in 2d 24 and IMAX 28 it's not it's not great the hmm. it's it's back to you know everyone criticized peter jackson for shaky cam fight choreography and that's still in this one just when it's 48 you can see everything really clearly but yeah the the he moves the camera really really fast in this one and it does not work as well um i i, I still would recommend people see the the imax 3d over the 2d version but if you can see the high frame rate version, um, I, I did want to ask the panel here, but I'm completely sold on the high frame rate. Uh, I, I am as well. I don't know what else it will work for. Uh, I don't know. You know, people like to say that 24 frames is the standard, but it's not. It's just what it's just theatrical. Yeah, that's just what we live in now. Uh, people have been playing with frame rates since the beginning of film and I'm okay with that. And I think it absolutely worked here um, better than I even expected. I was, I was, I was worried within the first few minutes, but it, it, once I got it and my eyes adjusted, it's, there's this blinking thing that happens when you see this shaky cam in 24 Mm -hmm. frames where your eyes cannot capture everything that's happening. And there's a lot of motion blur and you just, you just can't focus. You can't see or, or keep track of what's happening on, on the frame. With 48 frames, it was absolutely gorgeous. And um, back to shooting on the red, you, you, you also have limitations doing uh, shooting digitally like that. They had to bump up all the reds on the set, mm-hmm. to which all, everything seemed a little unbelievable when for to the actors. But on on camera, it all worked. So right. there's a lot of limitations that you're working with and or restrictions or you know with with this this kind of technical specifications but uh for the hobbit 48 frames per second 100 percent. i mean I think if, you, if you showed someone the hobbit and told them it was shot on film i think they'd believe you it, absolutely it doesn't have like prometheus i felt like i felt like i was watching red footage like red test footage which was fine 
it looked good. But this one, I actually did not think it was shot in the red because it they so well matched the look of the original films. And it was that. <laughs> it was bright. And I guess, as you say, yeah, on set, they they bumped the colors up to make it to make it look right. It's good that they that they thought about that. Uh, Catherine, what yeah. what format? Yeah, you only saw it once. What what format did you see it in? <laughs> I saw it um, in the forty eight. Uh, okay. Three D, but. And that worked. Did that work for you? It definitely worked for me because. It. Shoot, I lost my my I lost my words, but I had That's some. Fine. It it worked for me because it it wouldn't work say for like a romantic comedy, because I feel like it would be too bold. It would be too colorful it would be it would take you out of that situation but putting you in this fantasy world that you're familiar with that you've seen that you want to expand upon i'm never really a fan of shaky cameras and really fast action sequences where you can't really see what's happening because you're three inches from someone's face (laughs) yeah but but the way jackson played it out overall i think definitely worked for me i would recommend it yeah what about you matthew I saw it in the IMAX 3D, but it was the, the not the 48. And so okay. um, I haven't gotten to see it there yet, unfortunately. But honestly, um, watching the film, it, it looked just like the other films. Um, I never felt um, like it, uh, it didn't fit within the Lord of the Rings universe. In fact, I was talking to my girlfriend about it, and we were just talking about, we love that this has the same director, the same producers, you know, um, and it has the same music. And so the minute the movie starts, you feel like you're back in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's a little bit different is that the color palette is a little bit lighter. Um, and it's mm-hmm. giving you that feel that this world is just a little bit younger than the first time you've seen it, which is great because that's what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to be a little bit more like a fairy tale. Um, she was like, it's kind of a little bit more like The Emperor's New Groove um, <laughs> to, to some of the like darker Disney movies, you know, you know. This is a little bit lighter and a little bit more, you know, goofy and fun, but it's supposed to be that way. And the whole time she and we both agreed you're riveted to Martin Freeman and what he's doing. So, you know, whether the you know, it was IMAX or 3D or whatever, I was never really pulled out because I was so invested in his character. And I think that's a that's a testament to just good filmmaking. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, lastly, on that, it just... um, you know how sometimes somebody drops something and then they have it later in a movie and you're like, how did they get that? Mm-hmm. We noticed right. that the eagle picks up Thorin's sword with him. I was like, he actually, you know, clamps yes. around him and the sword. I was like, now that's great filmmaking. Somebody <laughs> paid attention enough to have him pick up the sword. So I'm not going to wonder later. Whoa, wait, how did he get his sword back? He dropped it. He did lose his oaken shield, which I feel yeah. like could be a problem for him overall he'll have to yeah. perhaps he's, whittle a new one yeah he's not well, thorin elven blade he's <laughs> he's oaken shield and he needs that thing it just yeah it's like his baby blanket yeah. well i that. you know there's lots of oak trees in middle earth i'm sure he can get a new one i just hope he doesn't try to cut down a tree in mirkwood that could end really badly Oof, Oof, yeah. yeah don't do that. no just go to oaks are us in lake town you'll be fine <laughs> okay so what before we talk about Oh yeah. So I mean, I think going high frame f- frame rate uh, leads us into 3D just really quickly because uh, uh, for the first time ever, I loved a 3D movie. I never, yeah. I don't, I hate 3D. 3D sucks. Uh, but it worked here, and I don't know. I know that when you shoot at 48 frames per second, um, and 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 the way it's lit, it. It feels brighter, so that's because 3D movies tend to be darker, and yeah. so I think that might be one reason why I liked it. But it just felt maybe maybe it is the red camera. I don't know, but there's something about it that I I literally felt like I was in the movie, and that's what 3D was always supposed to be when I was a kid watching Captain yeah. EO and all yeah. that. And I mean, I really enjoyed Avatar in 3D. That was another film shot shot in 3D, um, but it still did have that. It was 24 frames, so it still had that blurry feel to it, and I got I got the eye strain, no matter whether I watched with active shutter glasses, with passive shutter, um, I always got that, and I didn't really know that 48 would solve that for me, but now I kind of don't want to see a 3D movie any other way, uh, but right. aside from the frame rate, 
just Lord of the Rings in 3D is a great idea. I I wasn't sure. I thought, oh, I kind of wanted to be consistent. But every step of the way, I was like, well, this scene, I'm glad it's in 3D because of this. And this scene, I'm really glad it's in 3D. <laughs> and it just, it never felt gimmicky. It just felt like, well, this is the way I'm getting drawn into it. The thing that stood out to me the most was Bag End. Yeah. And how I could, exactly. I could feel it. I could look into Bag End and all the little crevices and it felt like this lived in space. Yeah. I was thinking, I was just about to say the same thing. I think Bag End really sold me on the 3D. Um, and then the whole time, you know, these movies, um, you know, The Lord of the Rings and now The Hobbit, um, they put so much time and so much detail into everything. And so now with the 3D, I can actually feel like I'm a part of the world in even a, a, a greater way. You know, um, and then two, I'm hoping with the 48 frames per second when I see it that way, that I'll just get to see more of the detail because they, they throw so much of that in there. I mean, just from the yeah. clothing to the swords to everything. And so um, I think this is a kind of film that is made for 3D. And it's not gimmicky. It's not throwing things at you. Um, it just makes me feel more immersed in the story. And, and, you know, when I go to a movie, that's why I'm going to the movie theater because I can be more immersed in it. And 3D just helps me feel like I'm there. Absolutely. Catherine, are you a, a 3D fan in general? I'm, I wasn't until actually I saw, I think it was Toy Story 3 in 3D. Mm. I think it was the first 3D movie I saw where I felt like it was helping the story and not just throwing things at the audience to be showy or flashy. And then Tron Legacy in 3D is probably the best experience I've ever had. Oh, that's true. At, at a movie theater. Absolutely. <laughs> So I feel like if if a movie can take 3D and give it a purpose beyond a gimmick and let you enjoy this world, and I definitely think it works better in really full fantasy worlds, like the world of Tron or the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I really look forward to what else we can see in 3D and how they can take this and move forward even from here. I, I, I am kind of waiting for the first 3D romantic comedy. Like, surely somebody's going to make it. Like, there was the first color movie that wasn't, like, the Towering Inferno or whatever, Wizard of Oz. Like, somebody just was like, well, this is like a normal movie, and we've got this color film. We might as well just shoot it. Um, you know somebody's going to do it one of these days, and it's going to be interesting to see. Like, well, does it feel showy? Are they, like, is there going to be weird gimmicky stuff when it's not an action film? Um, like, is 3D going to be the way all films are made in 20 years? I'm told in China, they don't want to see anything but 3D movies. Like, people there are over, they're just over 2D. They've moved on. Wow. Like a like a food documentary yeah. on corn. <laughs> in 3D shot on 80 frames per second. <laughs> oh, God. That was actually my favorite film. It came out last year. King <laughs> Corn, excellent. Talking about um, Journey to Corn 3D. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, next year we, I mean, we did get the nine minute Star Trek preview if you went to the mm -hmm. IMAX and it was in 3D. It looked fantastic. Um, yep. Man of Steel is going to be in 3D. Looks amazing. Um, you know, so all the big films next year are going to be looks in amazing. 3D. Hey, man, let's not go there because Man, <laughs> of, man of Steel. Not, <laughs> yeah, Man of Steel is going to be awesome. So I was thinking about having. I really a, do want it to be. Beard of Steel. I was, I was thinking of having a trailer discussion today. I, I think we'll wait for next week to talk about all the big trailers that came out um, this week. Uh, but yeah, in general, I was really sold on the 3D here. Um, I'm now thinking about Star Wars and the the new trilogy, and I'm kind of hoping it's also 3D high frame rate because that feels like the way you should do a film like this now. Like I remember even having not seen any of this, being let down by Phantom Menace because it was blurry. And it was hard to see stuff. It's like Lucas is putting so many things in the frame that you just can't see. Yeah. And um, it'd be great to see it um, at high frame rate and and see the the space. Even Phantom Menace 3D is like, uh, now it's a dimensionalized blurry thing of blurriness. Um, okay, so with 10 minutes left, what are critics on about then? <laughs> this film's sitting at a 53 <laughs> on Metacritic. I'm, I'm oh, looking no. at at reviews that are like it's a dreary mess. Looks like a, a the BBC 
documentary about people walking <laughs> only for the most diehard of diehard fans. But everyone I've talked to liked it. Um, I went today with a non-fan. She, she saw Fellowship. Um, she said she was making out during Two Towers and fell asleep during Return of the King. So she's not really um, an, an Uber fan, but she sat through all three hours of The Hobbit and enjoyed every moment of it. That's so, a long makeout session, by the way. Yeah, no kidding. I I wasn't there for it. I I this is what she tells me happened during the two towers. But like, so what is it? What, what why is our reaction so different from the critics? It's really it's really easy to well when before the movie even comes out, we've got all these this this talk about the technical aspects of it. So. Yeah. Before it comes out, we're already hating it and concerned. Um, I, I, I think that's a growing pain because it is doubling frame rate that we know it uh, uh, standard, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, I, but I liken that to the us getting used to HD. When that was first happening, people were complaining about, oh, my God, I can see Jay Leno's pores on his mm, face. And, yeah. You know, nobody complains about HD anymore. Uh, that maybe took a week or so, but... You know, I, I, it's this is different. This is the first time people have seen this. They're going to react to it, um, and it's a critic's job to critique. So they might as well bring that up. I don't know why it's scoring fifty something, but um, I Here, thought as a story, it's absolutely wonderful. Here's a quote from the Washington Post. This is Anne Hornaday. She says, "Purely on its own terms, an unexpected journey can't be seen as anything but a disappointment." a dreary, episodic series of lumbering walk-talk-fight sequences that often looks less like genuine cinema than a large-scale video game, its high-def aesthetic and mushy close-ups perfectly suited to its presumed end-use on a living room wall or iPhone. Like, that just sounds like something completely out of touch with everything. It's also Peter Jackson's style. Super close-ups, you know... uh, uh, crazy angles. I, I mean, he did go a little nuts in this with the Rube Goldberg labyrinthian oh, sure. sets and things like that, but it was interesting the whole time. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I sorry I, for them. You know, I, I think <laughs> I think sometimes when I'm reading the critics, I feel like they're just jaded. You know, um, I don't... What, what's so weird is that, you know, you got to the, the Return of the King, and I think everybody peaked at their you know, awesomeness of uh, how awesome Lord of the Rings is. And now almost the same way that what happened to Lucas was, and we're kind of over him. We're kind of over this Lord of the Rings thing as critics, but the fans aren't and the people right. aren't, you know. Um, luckily, and this is way better than the Phantom Menace was by a long shot. So, you know, fans have nothing to worry about here. There's nothing but awesome Lord of the Rings goodness here. Um, and I think it's set up for... Uh, the rest of the the next two movies fantastically and and you know my my girlfriend was completely worried about this being turned into three movies and she came out of it saying you know what there were some parts that i didn't love and they were the parts that i already mentioned that i didn't love but otherwise martin freeman was fantastic and i can't wait to see the next one you know um and so i think more than anything jackson has pulled this off beautifully uh, and to me critics lots of times they just don't get this you know they get tired of fan films like this they get tired of franchises but fans don't yeah i think that's i think that's true i mean the fourth pirates of the caribbean movie um i actually kind of liked a lot a lot better (laughs) than the second and third ones but i think critics were completely just done with pirates of the caribbean the movie made a lot of money and everyone i saw talked to that saw it was like yeah that was a good pirates movie like maybe it's not going to change the world um and phantom menace similarly made a lot of money even though it's not that great. Um, and I was I was kind of worried that this was going to be like that, where it's like, well, it's not great, but it will, we'll still see it anyway because we're fans. It still beat my expectations by a exactly. long way. Yeah. When, it comes, I agree. When, when it comes down to it, I feel like people don't go to movies necessarily to judge them, even as fans. They want to go and they want to see a story that they can really fall in love with and follow and just enjoy... Yeah that world they don't go into it maybe like critics do wondering what flaws they can find and point out and where waiting for it to fall short anyone who's I do, joined- I do think that there's a there's a strong uh uh new uh 
type of person that's they're all the comic book guy now mm-hmm. so it, it's a lot more it's a lot easier there's a lot more outlets to complain with twitter and facebook and whatever people do want to find something to complain about and they will but i think in general you're right you want to go and enjoy a movie and that's not what a critic's there to do well even for, i mean honestly from a critic standpoint though this movie is beautiful looking the production value is impeccable um the action is superb uh the acting is incredible um so what is it that they don't really like about the film you know i mean it can be a little bit long in times and there are some parts that could probably be trimmed down a little bit um but you know lots of movies can be trimmed down um a little bit uh but you know, for people who really enjoy Lord of the Rings, which so many people obviously do, I mean, the box office for this is already huge, mm. um, and it's going to continue to be because I'm going to go see it again, and yes. uh, <laughs> I, I think Greg might go see it again. Catherine's planning on seeing it again. Joey, I know you are. So, Absolutely. I mean, you got four people right here that are going to go see it again, um, and so I think that this is going to be one of those movies that just continues to kind of trug along and make a lot of money because people really get into it and enjoy it, and we just ignore the critics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you, you can't please every everybody. And uh, you know the uh, you know, the the Fellowship of the Ring or the Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, they all cut scenes, and the Hobbit is supersized. Yes. So like, what what can we do here? Like, <laughs> just go see the film, judge for yourself. I think, yeah. but uh, I I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know to say only the most diehard Lord of the Rings fan should see this. There are a lot of diehard Lord of the Rings fans, and <laughs> then true. their boyfriends and girlfriends can go along, and the film's still going to do just fine. This isn't going to end up being a King Kong sort of flop, I'm feeling like. Even though I, we don't have to talk about King Kong, but I kind of like King Kong a lot. Um, it, didn't, it didn't connect with people. This has all the stuff that people loved about those original films. And I think the fact it didn't get any Golden Globe nominations is just ridiculous. And I hope the Oscars change that i mean it doesn't have to win best picture or anything it's not as good as return of the king or at least you know they kind of gave it an oscar for all three films it's, right. it wasn't we're not there yet it still needs to build on it but it's still it's a really really good film um that i don't think anybody should be shying away from thinking oh it's just walking and talking and fighting well the effects in this movie are fantastic mm-hmm. and I would be nominating the score because Howard Shore <sighs> yes. did it a fantastic job again and I've been listening to it nonstop um the extended edition I think that's great I think one of the things in this movie is that Jackson learned look the extended editions were so popular I'm not going to need to extend the hobbit I'm just going right. to give it to them extended you know and people can deal with it and obviously we did because we loved it and we're going to go back again and I'm so glad that he's doing it that way because I'd much rather see more than less of Middle-earth. Yeah. And we'll see even more because there is an extended cut of The Hobbit and Unexpected yeah, Journey coming out on DVD. I know. Yeah. yeah. It's, there, there, it there's... is three and a half hours long. Is it really? Wow. Yes. Well, what I know did they the, put the... in? <laughs> I don't know. The one, the one thing I was looking for on my, on my third viewing, the song, um, The Misty Mountains, mm-hmm. I was like, Let, let's not. Even though it's been playing in my head. <laughs> Literally, that music's been playing in my head all podcast long, but we only get like one verse. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, it's over? I want them to please keep singing. So if anything else, I hope the extended edition has um, has more of the song. Okay, we're, we're coming up on the end. You were saying that people are going to see this again and again. One thing that's going to get people back into the theater is the Desolation of Smaug trailer that's going to be on this in another month. And that'll get everybody back in the theater just to see that. What are you guys looking forward to in the next the next two films now? People, especially you guys, since you know the books so well. I just want all the elves all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so looking forward to um, everything in Mirkwood that hopefully will start uh, in the next film. Because Thranduil, the elf king, is just my favorite. He rode I an elk. To, yeah. He rode an elk in Hobbit and Unexpected Journey, and that's all I need to know about the Desolation his elk, Smog. His elk was so cool. We need to give <laughs> his elk needs a name. I think we determined it's an Irish elk, which is an extinct kind of elk. We're, we're yes. discussing: is it an elk? Is it a reindeer? <laughs> um, it's apparently an Irish elk. It needs a name. Also needs a name is the pale orcs, Warg, the yes. um, the, the the white yes. guy, and then those two animals need to fight. 
They have a long, drawn-out, amazing battle where the elk's just, like, picking him up with his horns and the wargs, ah, just, they, yes. Because those are the two most awesome animals that have been, yes, I know, Bill the Pony fans, but those two animals, so amazing. Sunday, 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 Middle Earth Smackdown. (laughs) Nice. What about you, Joey? What are you looking forward to in the next couple films? You know, uh, I, I mean, I, I agree. I want to see more more of the elves. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm. What I'm looking forward to the most, being familiar enough with the source, uh, is being surprised because he's going to add stuff that I don't. I'm not as familiar with uh, from you know uh, uh, the Silmarillion or, or the, uh, the appendices, but. Um, I, I I went into this uh, purposefully not rewatching all the trailers and 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 rereading the book again and again. Uh, I read the books like twice before uh, mm. each movie um, in uh, the Lord of the Rings, and so now I'm just looking forward to Peter Jackson taking me on a ride because the guy can do it, and I trust him. So I I just want to see what what else he he's got in store for us. Yeah, definitely. And what about you, Matthew? You know, I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, the White Council uh, going to kick some ass. Uh, I hear Galadriel just knocks it out of the park, and I can't wait to see her actually do something. uh, Because, (laughs) you know, everybody has such respect for her, and it it feels like she's just this controlled power just waiting to be unleashed. Uh, And so I, I, you know, and I love Kate Blanchett to death. That woman is incredible, and so... Uh, I'm looking forward to her having that to do. And then I cannot wait, like Catherine, I, I can't wait to see the elves because um, Evangeline Lilly is an elf and uh, that just makes my heart skip. Um, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think I think it's just going to be uh, the the way that Jackson's uh, set this up, you know, um, I, I think that each movie is going to feel like kind of a little bit complete by the time you watch it, but still wanting the rest of the story. And uh, I'm I'm just looking forward to like Joey the the rest of the ride because the Hobbit was so much fun and I cannot wait to see it again. Okay, so um, all three of you are wrong. The correct answer is Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> no, <laughs> he is playing both the Necromancer and Smaug, so he's going to be amazing. I'm assuming doing mm-hmm. motion capture for for Smaug, um, and probably for the Necromancer as well. I don't think it's just going to be him in a beard. So but. he's not a method actor, you're saying. <laughs> well, but, Benedict oh, yeah, Cumberbatch I, actually is a necromancer. I don't know if you got the memo. Yeah, you know, uh, he and Martin Freeman are going to take over the world, apparently. So. Oh, yeah, they absolutely are. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, those are going to be amazing things in the upcoming films. Okay, so we've had a pretty good discussion on The Hobbit. Obviously, there's a million other things we could say. Uh, we can save some of them for our show a year from now when we can come back and talk about The Destination of Smog. Um, and then the last one there and back again, which I think they need a better name for the third one. Um, I disagree. I mean, it's a great, if, if it was two films and it was the unexpected or an unexpected journey, then there and back again, that's perfect. But then we have desolation of smog in there and it's just such a different kind of title. I feel like we need something more epic for the third one. You disagree. I don't know. I disagree so hard. (laughs) Desolation does sound like a very Tolkien type word to use. And so at least like that, they're, they're trying to be within his framework. I mean, this is the guy who made up the word you catastrophe. So there (laughs) there you go. Thank you, Catherine. She's, you can't see at home, but she's showing us somewhere in the book that, that being an actual Tolkien thing. So it's, it's still, (laughs) I think it's the best title. I can't, that's the one I'm really waiting for. Cause I'm, I, I really want to see that. With 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 Smaug, the 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 final shot of this film, especially if you see it in 3D, with the close up of the eye. Yes. Wow. So cool. So good. And I I've seen close ups of 3D eyes before, and this just <laughs> blew all of those out of the water. Um, I'm trying to think, actually, all the 3D eyes out there, this is the best. <laughs> well, there was there was some trailer with the 3D. Oh, it was uh, Jack the Giant Slayer. Which shoot me because I'm gonna go see it, but it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I mean, bad. It's got- you know, uh, you and McGregor. How it has you and McGregor and Bill Nye and yes and and um oh what's his name from Kings? Anyway, there's a close up of a giant eye and it's in 3D and it looks boring. And then <laughs> Smog's eye. Anyway, okay, so that has been 
the observation lounge for the hobbit <laughs> thank you guys for joining me let's do quick around around the council you can each tell us where we can find you on the internet Catherine. you can find me mainly on the twitters under hawk-eyed poet very good joey uh you can find me on twitter at at joey trimmer um or i don't know popcap somewhere there you go Download Plants for Zombies on the App Store. <laughs> and Matthew. And you can find me uh, at MattRushing02 on the Twitters, uh, as well as I'm all over Trek FM with uh, my book reviews and then, of course, the podcast Literary Treks. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Meeting adjourned.